This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Thank you so much for being here with me on uh, Thursday, March 9th. Uh, great to have you as always. And uh, of course, we are in our uh, countdown here for my final week of Blaze Radio shows. It's been uh, an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure to have all this time with you up to this point. I would ask that you all join me at my next venture on Premier Radio Network's uh, nationally syndicated show, Buck Sexton with America Now. Uh, You can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, You can subscribe on, well, that's the best place to subscribe. I think the easiest. You can also go to the iHeartRadio app and listen live and uh, listen on Stitcher. And we're not on SoundCloud, but we're on Stitcher. So please, please do. I uh, really appreciate that. And also keep an eye out for BuckSexton.com. We're going to be ramping up that site quite a bit in the uh, days and weeks ahead. So uh, subscribe. give me your email there because I'm going to be building out. The plan is right now, at least, fingers crossed, to build out a newsletter that will basically be Buck Brief in written form. Uh, maybe it'll be every day, bi-weekly. We're not sure yet. But that's all going to be coming out. So big plans for the Freedom Hunt, everybody. Big plans. Big plans. Huge. So I thought I'd spend some time today. I know that uh, everyone else is going to be doing news of the day and whatever, but I thought I would spend some time with you today talking about where I think conservatism is going, uh, what I think the future of conservatism is going to be. Because, you know, we had that speech last week where Donald Trump had some parts of his agenda, of course, are conservative. And it is refreshing to have a return to a president who is supportive, very obviously supportive and and deeply, uh, truly supportive of law enforcement, of uh, the military, and has a real affection for law enforcement, including Border Patrol, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, not excluding them from the, oh, thank you, law enforcement category. Um, But, you know, looking at uh, what's going to be coming, coming down the pike now, we're all quite aware, I think, that the Democrats are just going to be in absolute opposition mode to Trump because they think that they can stop this presidency. 
Uh, it's not that they're, they're they're not so much at this point trying to prepare for a future presidency uh, for the next election. And and yeah, sure you'll you'll read the reports from about Obama leading this this political insurgency. Valerie Jarrett's now living in the Obama House in D.C. Interesting. That's that's uh, yeah okay. Um, but they'll talk a lot about this and. The reality, I think, is that they're not even expecting this presidency to get that far. Uh, Lost, of course, amidst a lot of the Trump is so evil, Trump is so terrible rhetoric, and we need to get rid of him and all the stuff the Democrats are saying, is that with Mike Pence, uh, or rather with, with Trump gone, you get Mike Pence. And I don't think anybody really believes that, you know, there's not going to be any dossier on Mike Pence. There's not going to be any way that they can shame Mike Pence out of office. Um, but they are hoping to do a real reversal because there's panic in the Democrat Party right now. Because if Trump keeps doing what he's doing, which is appeal to Americans, uh, appeal to a majority of Americans on issues that are Republican, and then steal the issues that have mass appeal that Democrats use, what paid family leave, infrastructure spending, Look, I wouldn't even be surprised if Trump, maybe he doesn't go for a $15 minimum wage, but maybe he decides to make it 12 or, you know, who knows. But he's playing the this the government will give you gifts to game, and he's doing it pretty well. And it makes you wonder, if Democrats, if all they really have to offer is uh, transgender bathroom rights and global warming, climate change, nonsense, uh, Dodd-Frank. You, you look at what well, what gets Democrats really energized these days. Illegal immigrants. Oh, they love to stand up for illegal immigrants. They're, they're done as a party. I mean, they realize now that messaging alone, I don't think is going to do it for them. They have to destroy the Republican Party. They have to actually eliminate the Republican Party entirely. And I don't, and when I mean destroy, I just mean destroy this presidency and then force the Republicans into the political wilderness. But there are two looming possible disasters for the Republican Party right now. One is that the Democrats, um, that the Democrats are able to do what they're trying to do, which is to just halt this presidency, stop this presidency dead in its tracks. Uh, I don't think that they'll be able to do that, meaning that Trump is forced from office and they are, you know, pushing for, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't think they'll get rid of Pence, but then they'll also, of course, in the midterms, then they will push to oust Republicans and take back control. And you know, this is their dream. So there's the possibility the Democrats are able to mount a real counter campaign, a counterpunch that, that lands real hits. Um, that's a worry to be sure. There's another problem we have here, which is that Trumpism is not conservatism. Conservatism has been the primary political philosophy of the Republican Party for decades now. And of course, Republicans have strayed from it. And Republicans have, have I think, a lot of elected office uh, Republicans have become political careerists. And I think a, a majority of them, a vast majority of them are. And to that end, they've also embraced cronyism and insider beltway uh, nonsense. And that's very, that's very disturbing in and of itself. That's problematic, to be sure. But 
the real worry I have is you'll recall how we got to the place where Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House and Obama was president and uh, Harry Reid was leader of the Senate Democrats. There was a financial correction, a financial crash based on the housing market, which still to this day is lied about by people who, who know better. Still to this day, there are those who pretend that the real problem with the financial house, with the financial collapse of 2008, you know, the great the start of the Great Recession as opposed to the Great Depression, uh, has to do with just Wall Street greed. Wall Street greed is certainly a part of it, and Wall Street has been able to use its money and influence to get both parties, Republican and Democrat, to do what it wants. But if you stretch all the way back to the origins of the housing crisis, it had to do with very basic notions of fairness and meritocracy in America. There were there were cases made. I'm sure there were some you know, old time real racists who didn't want to give mortgages to minorities. But then over time it became, well, you can't even use objective financial criteria because that's going to disproportionately negatively affect minorities. And they started loosening the mortgage uh, requirements, which were pretty straightforward and pretty effective for a long time. And over a period of a few decades, those mortgage requirements kept being more politicized, loosened, more politicized, loosened. And then eventually you had the Clinton administration was suing banks would threaten to sue banks that did not give enough mortgages to minorities, even if they were using completely objective financial criteria for the denials. Didn't matter. Uh, and it was those very bad loans that were then bundled. And, you know, you've probably seen the big short. You know, they were bundled into the, the toxic uh, CDOs and credit default swaps and all that stuff. And then we got the financial crisis. Okay. That was what, for a time at least, allowed the Democrats to come roaring into power and have control of the House, the Senate, and, of course, the White House with Obama. But I'm concerned that the populism of Trumpism is going to mean that we, as a nation, but also as a party, the Republican Party, is going to be blind to the looming disaster, to the iceberg on the horizon. And we are on a ship that, you know, there is no one else to come and get us if we go down. Um and that is the debt and spending. Uh, interest rates will go up at some point. I don't know when. If I did, I should be in the financial markets and you know be betting on it heavily. I don't know when, but they will have to go up at some point. And one thing that also, as an aside here, that's never really talked about is the effect that these low interest rates have on the economy. And it is a lot of what's been done has exacerbated the difference, not so much between the wealthy and the poor, I mean, that's one way to look at it, but really between those who have assets and those who don't. Because if you own property or if you own stocks, the zero interest rate Fed policy has been inflating those values um, for a whole bunch of very complicated reasons. But that is the end product. That is the end reality. That's how you get people now who are working and working and working. They're not going to buy, they're not able to buy homes. A lot of them are still living at home with their parents. And even though they tell us inflation is zero, well, everything is getting more expensive all the time. So someone needs to explain that to me. You know, they tell me inflation is zero, and I just bought milk yesterday, and it was five dollars. Okay, so I need I need someone to, and I'm I'm not talking like super fancy organic, 
you know, farm to table, the cow has like a PhD in social studies. No, no. I'm talking just about milk. So somehow there's a problem here. There's, there's a real disconnect. There's an issue that must be addressed. But what I see happening here is that even if Trump is very successful selling his policies, pushing his policies in the short term, there is a real chance uh, that whether it's in the first four years or perhaps if he wins re-election, which right now, you know, who knows, but perhaps uh, even if everything goes relatively well and the infrastructure spending goes well and or infrastructure plan you know, is bipartisan, all the stuff that he's talking about, border gets much more secure, immigration is in a totally different place as a discussion, if all that happens, but you have a real panic in the markets because we get to 23, 25, 27, who knows how much, but let's say it's 23 or $25 trillion in debt. At some point, that has to have a cause and effect. There has to be a consequence to that. Otherwise, why not just why not just have the federal government? If debt doesn't matter, then the federal government should just take out a massive loan and give all Americans a hundred grand. You just in a bank account. Every American citizen gets a hundred thousand dollars. It sounds cool, right? But we all know that'd be a big problem. There would be. And I'm sure we could probably get some economists in there. No stimulus. The spending would be great. Uh, no, that, that that would be an issue. There would be there would be uh, big problems that would come from that. And I worry that the once again, the, the this historical cycle and the presidential cycle are going to be a disaster for the Republicans. What I mean by that is the cycle that came that finally came crashing down under Bush was not Bush's fault. He didn't do enough to stop it, but it was decades in the making. The cycle that may come down under a Trump presidency, especially if he makes it to uh, you know through two terms, would be. Uh, an existential threat to our economy and to our our way of life in a financial sense. If all of a sudden people don't think that that this is ever going to get paid back and we can't pay our bills and treasuries aren't a safe haven, you're going to have, you can read about the wargaming of this, but the dollar ceases to become reserve currency. You got huge problems that will come with this. And even though, a reasonable a reasonable analysis of this, a reasonable person could point to this and say, well, hold on a second. I mean, this is not, the, Trump ran up two or three trillion of this debt. This isn't, a, as you know, it doesn't matter. It'll be the Republicans are profligate spenders and they're heartless and we are where we are on this because of Donald Trump's ineptitude, because Donald Trump has done all these bad things, because he's a mean guy, you know, whatever it may be. That's the iceberg that I see looming in the distance. That's what I really worry about here. Because, uh, honestly, there's going to be a day of reckoning here. And Trump is doing nothing to tackle the debt. And this is what we realize. It's not going to be popular to tackle the debt. It never will be. Nobody wants to hear, you know, I'm paying Medicare and Social Security taxes. Nobody wants to hear that they're not going to get what they think they've been promised by the government. And what's really difficult is a lot of people who have been paying into these entitlement programs have been led to believe, well, they paid for it. That's really not true. They're getting much more than they paid. So this is like saying, well, I have a savings account. I'm entitled to withdraw it. And you put in $100 and you want to take out $1,000. And you say, well, I paid it. You know, that's my money. Well, well, no, it's actually not 
just your money. It's your, the money's coming from other places too, because you only paid in a hundred and you're taking out. Now in reality, I think it's probably the percentages are more like, you know, you put in a hundred and you're taking out 150 or something, not a thousand, but still the basic, basic idea here is, is, is true, which is that people take out more, especially in, in, in Medicare is where it really happens. Uh, then they pay into it. And then, so what do you do about that? And you can't win elected office now if you run on trying to take away Medicare from people. So what do you do about that? Uh, that's going to be a big problem because, you know, what is it now? Almost 80% of our spending is entitlement spending. We're arguing over, oh, the defense budget and building a wall. I mean, $14 billion or $20 billion to build a wall. In the That's not not a lot of money, but in the budgetary scheme of things, I mean, that's a, a blip on the screen. It's a rounding error when you look at the debt overall. I mean, that's not going to do anything one way or the other. And we're not dealing with this. And nobody wants to talk about it. And, you know, Romney lost talking about it. And Paul Ryan is not going to get a, not going to get Congress to go along with him. They're all, they all think they're going to lose their jobs. And for a lot of politicians, the notion of getting a real job after having been elevated into national office is a terrifying prospect. They have no interest in doing that. So unless they can get a show on a cable network. So, and there's not that many hours on the cable networks for them to fill. So this is where we are now. I, I worry about this. Um, and it doesn't keep me up at night worrying. I'm not trying to be a weirdo like a climate change freak who thinks that, you know, the ice caps are melting and we're all going to die. But I, I think that there would be, how much could it shock any of us if all of a sudden interest rates rise and the markets and things start to react in a way that take on a life of their own and we hit a very uh, negative and dangerous place in the economic cycle? And of course, it'll be blamed on the president and his party and that may be so despite the Democrats, of course, are trying all these tricks and shenanigans. And, you know, they're they're hoping so much to push through something that will um, destroy the Republican Party. But it might be the Republican Party helping to destroy itself right now with all the spending. And I know that you're not the fun guy at the party when you're talking about how they need to stop running up the debt. The fun guy is the one who's saying, let's do infrastructure spending. Let's let's do more of this. Let's spend more money on this. Um Everyone likes that guy. Everyone wants to give him a, a shot at tequila. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Espalone, maybe maybe Calle 23, maybe something really delicious I haven't even tried before, you know, in the tequila world. So, uh, all right, I got to hit a break here, team. Talk more about all the things when we come back. Stay with me. Let your voice be heard. Hello. 888-900-3393. On the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. 
Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Welcome back, team. Sponsor this hour is Silencer Shop. The best place to go, silencershop.com. If you want to get a silencer for your firearm, there is absolutely no better way to go about it than silencershop.com. And I think that if you go there, you'll see the testimonials on the site, the customer service they have is excellent. Everything silencershop.com has to do to make the process for you as easy and straightforward as possible. They do. You can reach out to them. They've got a very helpful staff. Their selection is phenomenal. And once you get a silencer for your firearm, you're going to be like, why didn't I do this years ago? It makes the whole shooting experience much cooler, much more fun. And uh, I've been out there with silencers. And let me tell you, they're a great accessory to have. So really do check it out, silencershop.com. Again, that is silencershop.com. Help make the world a quieter place. I wanted to talk a little bit about some philosophical points here in a couple of minutes. You know, I'm in a bit of a contemplative mood these days as I'm getting closer to our, uh, next week will be last week on the Blaze Radio for me. So I just want to share thoughts with you about a lot of stuff. And of course, at night, 6 to 9 Eastern, that's when I'll do the deep dives and the breakdowns, current events, politics, all the usual Freedom Hut fare. But 12 to 2, this is my, this is like, this is our time, guys. You know, team, this is when we just get to chill and talk about some things. Fireside chats, story time with Buck, however you want to put it. So we'll get into some more of that on the other side of the break. 888-900-3393 on the phone lines. If you're not already following me on Facebook, everybody, please, facebook.com slash bucksexton and also bucksexton.com. Keep an eye out for it. Bookmark it. Give me your email so I can put you on my uh, newsletter I'm going to be putting together in the weeks ahead. We've got a lot to talk about. Be right back. This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. You know, team, I, I've read a couple of pieces recently uh, in different papers. I can't remember. What, I was trying to find them before. I can't even remember what they are now. And they deal with uh, a couple of issues that uh, I think are important for us all to to keep in mind. And and there's really no surprises with them. I just find them um, I find them to be interesting. So let me start with. Um, the psychology of winning and the psychology of winning. And that this is based on some studies that they've done recently. And I saw this in the wall street journal. I think it was, it's that people who are, um, well, they do it with animals. They start with mice and that when there's an altercation between mice of the roughly the same size, a mouse that wins, according to this study, this is not surprising, but interesting is more likely when facing another mouse to win that encounter because confidence is something that builds. 
And confidence is something that the more you have of it, the more useful it can be to you in certain circumstances. And I just, I was reading this piece about it. And I thought to myself, oh, this is true of so many things. I feel like it immediately expands into the sports realm, right? When someone all of a sudden in basketball, they have the hot hand and they're making shot after shot after shot in a way that just seems unreal almost to them too, because they just get into a mindset and this really talks about a winning is, is a mindset, which is not, now I know I sound like, what is it, Tony Robbins or one of those life coach guys, winning is a mindset. But what the, what the piece also showed, though, is that bullying or that a bigger mouse, even beating a smaller mouse in an encounter, sort of pushing it out of the way or whatever, uh, leads to increased confidence. That bullying, this is really sad, but it's true. Bullying in the animal kingdom, at least, and you can imagine this transfers over into human beings and this is why a lot of people who are insecure uh, tend to be involved in bullying uh, that bullying does boost your confidence and bullying is a way to feel better about you know of course a terrible thing to do but it's that that this there's a a a carnal uh what is it lizard part of the brother the amygdala or the uh is it the oh gosh i'm forgetting what's the part of the um you know, what's the part of the, the fight or flight part of the, of the brain? I'm, pardon me, I'm forgetting. But the, you know, instinctual, forget carnal's the wrong word, instinctual, pardon me, part of our brains uh, likes to bully uh, and likes to show dominance. And that once you get into a mindset of showing dominance, it can be, you know, it can build on itself. And so this piece I thought was so interesting because it's about how, uh, bullying those, even those who are smaller and weaker, not even just physically, just in general, can be very satisfying to the bully. Um, and we all, as a society now, I think, are are very on guard, or at least we're trying to be on guard against bullying because it can be so damaging. And I've still, to this day, when I think back to um, the way that kids would treat each other when I was in school, uh, and and how mean they were to each other sometimes. It's uh, the, the level of sadism that like twelve year olds can have and ten year olds can have, to especially when they get into groups. I mean that's why Lord of the Flies is such a powerful piece of fiction because we all know we've all experienced our own little version of either picking on Piggy or being Piggy or maybe we've been on both sides of that. Uh, but now that they they're doing these studies with animals that shows that there are benefits to bullying, uh, which of course is not a, a defense of bullying or any sort of justification for it. But this is why it happens because people that bully do feel better about themselves. People that bully do have more, do, do have a rise in confidence and that can even help them in dealing with other things in their lives. So, you know, it's, it's a reminder to me and bullying is terrible and I hate bullies. Uh, it's a reminder to me though, that, we're always struggling in our own way uh, against our biology. You know, civilization is in large part a struggle to uh, harness the the good parts of our biology and suppress some of the uh, more now carnal is the proper word, but more more the instinctual parts of our biology and uh, the animal kingdom view of the world. That of course some people very much like that view of the world and they they adopt it in their day to day lives. Uh, but it's not just, it, it doesn't, it, it's appealing is what I'm trying to say. It, it, there are there are aspects of it that we always think, oh, bullies, bullies are just 
you know, they're just hurting themselves. Well, they're being jerks, but no, they're actually getting a little psychological boost out of it. And I think that should we should keep that in mind as we see this play out over and over again, whether in our own lives or look, you see you see bullying all the time. I'll, I'll tell you this. A lot of what I think you see on TV is uh, on the in the TV news side of things is bullying. It's yeah, we're adults, and I understand it's not as bad as when you're kids, and you don't have to be there. But we enjoy as a sport. Very rarely do you see this where you have two on television equally matched intellects in a real exchange of ideas. It happens, but. That's the rarity across, particularly across the uh, cable news spectrum. What you usually have is one person who is clearly the alpha in the situation and is just going to annihilate, pummel, dress down, you know, destroy the other person. And what you see even more commonly than that is a lot of these hosts who I think uh, on different networks a lot of them are pretty insecure themselves. They take the perspective of, well, I'm going to use a guest as the foil, meaning that they have somebody else that they'll bring in. And so if they can't get the job done themselves, it becomes a two on one situation. And I have to say, people enjoy watching this. Uh, I'm not imagining it. There are a lot of people that seem to really think that watching someone get bullied is uh, is enter- is entertaining. And, and, and it's different than kids bullying. I and mean, I don't think anyone goes on TV and then afterwards they're like crying themselves to sleep. Uh, although I'll, I'll, be, I'll tell you this, I've had some circumstances where it's always, it's never when I feel like somebody got the better of me because they were just more on their game. I don't know if that's ever even really happened, side note. But I would get angry when it was fixed when the fight was fixed, because that that used to, used to happen to me over at CNN all the time. Um, but you know that the Democrats in the audience, which is most of CNN's audience is full of Democrats, you know that they uh, want to see that. There's almost like this bloodlust on TV to see somebody get, even if the argument isn't being beaten, they want to see them shouted down, mistreated, treated badly. And I think that there is a, uh, a sense of, a vindication of ideas, but more than that, a sense of personal catharsis. So when a conservative goes on TV and some of these uh, different networks, you know, not just CNN, there are others, MSNBC, when they have a conservative on and they have people that are clearly the, the host, and I've told you this before, all you need to know about who the host likes is who does the host interrupt? How often does the host interrupt? Uh, how is a segment structured? Do they do the old, let's go to the person I like with one question and let's, let's box out the other, the, the counterpoint and give them another softball so that they've had two or three minutes, which is an eternity in most talk news segments to build their case, to have the anchor nodding their head, you know, Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 but no, no, buck, buck, quiet, quiet. Let, 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 let the, let the, the good smart person over here finish their Democrat talking points and we'll get to you in a second right before we go to break. And I have to tell you that you're wrong before we go to break. Um, but the audience likes this, too. And I think it's because the same way that, you know, the, the mouse that that pushes the smaller mouse out of the way gets a, a jolt of of uh, good good brain chemicals out of that. This is this is reality now. I mean, they, they do the studies. I think the audience likes to see 
They, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to see their ideas challenged in a way where they would have to actually really think about it. That's that's not what you see most of the time on TV. What you see are people who want their ideas reflected on TV and winning. This is, by the way, the magic of like the Daily Show and the John Oliver show on the left. You know, oh, my name's John Oliver. I'm British. I'm going to lecture Americans on what, what, you know, however they should talk about things. Uh, I just I don't get it at all with that guy. Um, but then again, I also saw that Trevor Noah, who is professionally unfunny, um, like it, it, it's like it's his job to be unfunny, uh, bought a $10 million penthouse. So explain that to me. Uh, you, uh, I, I want to be in a position one day where I'm given a platform where I don't have to prove anything or build anything. I just somebody says you have this and we're going to pay you a ton of money for it. And and I and I haven't earned it. I mean, this is never going to happen for me, of course. But it's what happened for Trevor Noah, ten million dollar penthouse. Wow. I mean, think about this it, to 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 buy. Assuming that he paid cash for it and doesn't have a mortgage, which you know who knows. But to buy a ten million dollar penthouse, you got to make like sixteen, seventeen million bucks, more or less. Uh, so wow, it's it's good to be it's it's good to be Trevor Noah. Uh, well, where was I on this? Oh, yeah, the, the magic of those shows, of those talk shows they do, where it's not that they're teaching people things or even making them laugh. It's that they create a closed circuit. They, cre- they create a, an ecosystem where the left always wins, no matter what the subject is, because they either create a straw man argument on the right and then tear it apart, which is amusing the left, or... Even if the argument's not that strong that they can mount, they just start mockery. Then it just becomes, you know, ha, 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 clown, clown, joke, joke. And, and, and mock, making fun of the other side. And usually it's a combination of both. But the left always wins. That's why people enjoy, on the left enjoy watching that show so much. So I think it's interesting that, that the impulse to bully is reflected in a lot of what's around us. And people... Maybe don't bully themselves, but they kind of enjoy watching others bully. You know, they there are. This is a very real thing that I am addressing with all of you now, and I have to say, I think it's uh, we should all be try to be as aware of it in our own lives as we can be, because I think it can lead to a dishonesty with ourselves about what we're watching, what we're seeing, and and also how ideas and views are being presented. So. Anyway, I'll try to find that Wall Street Journal piece. I, inv- I wanted to have the guy on my night show, invite him on as a guest, but never really got around to it. We um, never got him on thinking about doing that. By the way, if you have any suggestions for guests for Buck Saxton with America Now, which you should all subscribe to on iTunes, please. And also go to Buck Saxton and uh, give me, uh, if you wouldn't mind, your email address so I can start building a list of uh all of your names so that I, or not your names but a list of your emails it's because I want to create a, a newsletter for Team Buck I'm not sure how often we'll be doing it but I want to create a newsletter and I would be funny give me a chance to write for all you guys and keep in really close touch and keep up to date on all the things that matter to us and you know I've got all sorts of fun plans so stay with me team be right back let your voice be heard hello 888-900-3393 Buck Saxon Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
the Buck Sexton Show. Fascinating piece on uh, Reason.com, everybody, that I wanted to bring to your attention. It has to do with moral outrage, which if you're on social media at all, you're just constantly drowning in in moral outrage, and uh, meaning it's around you all the time. I'm not saying you engage in it. But the psychologists studying this now, there's a, there's a new research study uh, that says that moral outrage has a direct connection to people's uh, own feelings of guilt. So you feel guilty about what your own beliefs or how you conduct yourself in your life, and you compensate by public expressions of moral outrage. And so you denounce other things because you are... Uh, trying to find a way to feel better about other things that bother you in your own life. Let me give you, this is Elizabeth Nolan Brown's piece on Reason.com uh, from last week. Outrage expressed on behalf of the victim of a perceived moral violation is often thought of as a pro-social emotion rooted in a desire to restore justice by fighting on behalf of the victimized. This is according to Bowdoin psychology professor Zachary Rothschild. Um, yet this conventional construction, moral outrage as the purview of the especially righteous, is called into question by research on guilt. Here's what they have to say about that. Feelings of guilt are a direct threat to one's sense that they are a moral person, and accordingly, research on guilt finds that this emotion elicits strategies aimed at alleviating guilt that do not always involve one's actions. Furthermore, research shows that individuals respond to reminders of their group's moral culpability with feelings of outrage at third-party harm-doing. These findings suggest that feelings of moral outrage, long thought to be grounded solely in concerns with maintaining justice, may sometimes reflect efforts to maintain a moral identity. Isn't that interesting? Who does that remind you of? Doesn't it kind of remind you of liberals? A lot of liberals you know? They have a lot of guilt about either climate change or white privilege, or and so they're freaking out all the time about this stuff and trying to compensate. Well, what do we find out what do we know what do we learn here oh you mean guilt is a thing that people try to compensate for with this outrage uh this outrage machinery that they put into place for themselves twitter and facebook and everything else they feel insufficient for whatever reason and so what do they do they're always talking about how bad other people are doesn't that remind you of all the, I, I was reading this i thought this is just so much the the liberal uh, the liberal id here. This is so important to uh, to liberals, and uh, I think that they're really onto something with this study. I really do. So, um, team, we got uh, hour two coming up here in just a minute. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three on the phones. Uh, please subscribe to Buck Sexton with America Now on iTunes, and uh, let's have a little more fireside chat coming up here in the next hour. Be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. 